0: We're listening to Ref Talk Radio with Bernie and PC.
1: Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Ref Talk Radio. As the kids say, it's been a minute. Is that
0: what the kids say? Cuz it slaps to be back. And that's about the extent of my... What's the next generation? Because we're millennials. Are they Gen Z? Gen Z. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go with that. How was uh, Brazil? Every one of my family members made it back alive. So that's my standard for a successful trip. Uh, Every Brazilian I spoke to, uh, when I told them I was going to Rio, they said, make sure you don't go out at night, make sure you don't go out alone, make sure you don't have your phone out. Um, And to be honest, I was probably the most aware of other people when I was there, but the rest of the country was awesome. Uh, Everyone was so nice trying to help me learn Portuguese and uh, ignoring my bad accent or terrible Google Translate uh, suggestions. So that was a good trip. No sunburn, so success.
1: Not too much hockey going on in Brazil, hey?
0: Yeah. Very difficult to find an arena, uh, let alone a TV that had ice uh, that was being played on. Football left and right. Obviously, that's not American football, but uh, soccer for those that refuse to call anything uh, where people use their feet football. But anyway.
1: Hey, do they uh, do they have a team in like Div 3 or something that we send our best and brightest to when they go to world championships? Maybe. I didn't look, at,
0: look into it right while I was up there. Uh, I wasn't thinking of moving to Brazil uh, given some of the <laughs> cultural differences that we had, but uh,
1: it's always possible. We do have a follower on Instagram who is from, I believe it's Argentina. We do actually have two...
0: Listeners from Brazil. Uh. So, if you guys are still active, or if you can accept this, thanks uh, on behalf of all Brazilians. Uh, thanks for bearing with me in my bad accent because my wife kept being uh, very embarrassed by how poorly I was speaking Portuguese, especially Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, I cannot imagine how many different dialects you guys have within Brazil because I think. I had five different ways of pronouncing your currency uh, in in pluralized form. Like I went anywhere from reals to reais to reals to reals, which I'm pretty sure is Americanized. Uh, I still don't know which one is actually correct. But
1: um, not a hockey story. But when I was in high school, we had a couple uh, Brazilian exchange students, and two of the girls were in uh, biology class with me and they were talking to each other in Portuguese, and none of us knew what they were saying, and the teacher was getting a little bit annoyed. And so after a while, this is at the beginning of the year, obviously, he turns around and looks at them and says something to them in Portuguese, and they looked so shocked and embarrassed. So we were talking to them later, and apparently they were talking about how attractive the teacher was, how cute he was and he spoke back to them in portuguese <laughs> nice
0: yeah too good i have not actually successfully pulled off uh, a sly move like that with my french abilities you know there's the odd uh, player from quebec like we had one for playing for the pistons and his english was quite poor and you know, uh, the odd swear in French here and there. I, I never had the, the opportunity to really take advantage of it where I reply to him in French, you know, admitting that I've heard and understood everything he said and that I'm giving him a break by not penalizing him for... But he was actually fairly respectful, so it never came
1: up. Just uh, just senior games when we get to go down south and you start to favor teams, right?
0: Uh, specifically rural areas, yes. <laughs>
1: I think it'd be so cool to be able to experience hockey in different countries. I It's not something I've had the opportunity to do. I mean, I talk a lot about bandy, but uh, I haven't had the chance to do that with hockey. And that's something I hope I get to do in my lifetime.
0: Yeah, well, I keep trying to f- actually go to a live football match when I go to these non-North American countries. And I have been unable to line up my trip with anywhere where I could even even catch a rugby game so uh I think hockey is down pretty far down my list in terms of international sporting events that I want to go catch but uh, some of those barns in Europe look kind of interesting to go to uh
1: now speaking of experiencing hockey I do have some bad news um we had talked about going to catch Connor Bedard in his last Manitoba appearance While he's playing in the CHL. Uh, But as you've probably seen on SportsCenter, he is selling out arenas basically single-handedly. And uh, so a couple weeks ago, probably right before you left for your trip. um, I had checked tickets and there were tons there. And I said, hey, what do you think? And then I went and checked a very short time later after I got the thumbs up from the fam. And gone. Complete sellout. I mean, he's playing tonight in Calgary, they're showing it live on, on TSN even, and they sold out in the Saddle Dome for a WHL game. Unreal. So it's too bad, won't get a chance to see him, but you have to recognize how special that is.
0: Yeah, um, the World Juniors definitely did a lot to pump up his profile to the point where he's got recognition almost everywhere, it's quite crazy.
1: In our episode with Monty, which, by the way, is the last time we did this together. Uh, Sitting in your basement interviewing Monty there. So, like I say, it's been a minute. Uh, But he talked about how, when he thinks back to his career, it wasn't, you know, necessarily his own accomplishments that he remembers, but the people he got to be on the ice with. So that means, I mean, there's some of our peers, friends, and colleagues that were on the ice with Bedard this year. uh, And that's pretty sick.
0: Yeah, uh, assuming he doesn't go the wayside like uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, we should be seeing a lot of him.
1: So anyway, have you been on the ice since you've been back?
0: I have. Uh, I was three weeks uh, in between games, and I went to Portage for an MJ game. Uh, had uh, a fairly decent game uh, all in all. I think it ended up being... or 4-2 by the end of it. And then you had, because it was Selkirk Portage, you had Selkirk uh, hosting Portage the night after. So that was a home and home. That's right. So my game, no problems. A couple of minors, but uh, ultimately, other than a disputed goal, uh, really uh, nothing to report on my end.
1: We were really close. I mean, technically, when the clocks (laughs) hit zero, we still had an NTR.
0: Yet somehow there's going to be some suspensions out of your game. So tell us a bit more about that.
1: You know, it was interesting because the game was pretty tame overall. Uh, Selkirk Bench wasn't happy with how the game was going, but that's because they were playing with one of the top dogs. Uh, No pun intended against the Terriers.
0: (laughs) Was he there? He
1: was in attendance.
0: Wow. Back-to-back nights for the uh, biggest MJ fan in the world, I think.
1: Um, that's a shout out to Manitoba's golden boy um, Anyway uh, We were doing fine And then with the last shift of the game I think at that point Portage had put one in the empty net So it was out of reach uh, And at the end of a shift there Players kind of gave each other some wax on the shin pads So on the ensuing face off I stood next to them We had a, one more whistle after that And both lines changed So I thought okay that's the end of that situation No big deal There were only two seconds and change left. And so I kind of came down from the neutral zone, made sure I was in close proximity. Everyone was tied in, but it didn't seem like anyone was on edge. Puck drops, no one moves, hits zeros, we were all good. And then there's this errant stick that catches the back of a leg or something, I don't know. Two guys kind of engage, they think about it, and then they just go. Everyone else obviously grabs onto somebody else, not really doing anything, that fight keeps going. And then two other players decide, oh, we're going to go too. And I'm standing right next to them. I'm screaming at them. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's another game. It's an extra game. But they went. They fought too. And then while that was happening, two players shed gloves and went and did a little boxing dance at center ice, dancing around the ring. And then they fought. So three fights, same stoppage. And it led to uh, a lengthy conversation about uh, quite the SRD situation. You did not have an empty net goal in your game. It was 2-0. No?
0: Both goals being scored in the first period. Oh, okay. So a little fact check there. But that you did have a stoppage. And the players that went on the ice, I can't say I would have expected uh, Catellier to be a fighter. So it's not like the coaches sent him out to fight at least.
1: Yeah, he was pretty he was pretty bothered by the whole thing. He was like, I didn't even want to fight him. I was like, But you did, man. Like Well, why didn't you get between us? And actually this is I think this situation is gonna take up a part of this episode because there's a lot to talk about from from the situation. So one thing that came out of it was that um the lines people had gone down and taken care of the first fight and I had noticed uh these two players against the boards holding each other, so I kinda moved over and like I said, tried to discourage them from fighting uh which which didn't end up working. To me there wasn't a clear instigator. Um I mean they pushed each other a couple times, a punch was thrown and then they both engaged, so it is what it is. But he asked me, he's like, well why didn't you step between us? And it's like, Well, I when you're the referee, you, you can't really do that. So I, I was like half engaged in that, like trying to stop them, but not like a lines person would be. And we talked about that in the room after. I said, like, like how far can you go in? And and we ultimately decided, like, well, you can't. Like, there's just so much other stuff that happens. Um, so in this scenario, there turned up being what we considered a stage fight at center ice that you need to have eyes on. And those things end up being missed because you're engaged there or someone else is writing down numbers over there. And so you want to put yourself in the best spot. And so... In fact, I probably should have just left them entirely, and that might have uh, made them a little more upset. But probably could have made our job easier at the end of the day in terms of uh, numbers and and making sure eyes were on everything that needed to that needed to be seen.
0: Yeah, and at least in that rink, you've got benches on opposite sides, so there's less jawing back and forth necessarily by the players on the bench.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and I think that was part of the reason. Like these two guys that seemingly were sort of vacating the area, it was like, okay, well, they're leaving. Um, and then you kind of divert your attention back to the fight, and then all of a sudden they're dancing around, and they're going to fight too. Oh, geez. Like, it was very spread out, this whole, the whole event. But the other th- interesting thing that came out of this is that, um, and I, I've never looked at it, but the CJHL actually has like a minimum suspension guideline for a bunch of different actions, which uh, I've never seen. And there are things in there that I think would be beneficial for referees to know because, uh, not that it changes your call, but in the past there were things written in the MJHL supplement that, that we had to act on, such as fights in the last 10 minutes, or used to be things like goaltender interference, I still haven't seen that, we don't do that anymore, but uh, three fights in the same stoppage is an automatic game to a coach, I believe is what I read there. Um, not our responsibility to deal with in the game as far as I can tell uh, there's nothing in the directive but apparently fighting the last 10 minutes can also lead to uh, to things and same thing and at the end of the period and there's lots of stuff like that in there so uh, it was really interesting to go through that whole process and talk to the department of player safety and stuff um, just going through all those events and what it leads to
0: yeah we still do report the goalie interference. Um, and I had asked about removing that from the list um earlier in the season and that's when we determined that the suspension is still there so that's partially why we're doing it even though we're not talking to coaches like we used to uh in terms of warning them that there would be a suspension for a second game uh, goalie interference uh by the same player cuz you know that going back a little bit more it used to be a game is going to the coach for a second goalie interference by the same team but that's been since knocked down, but the cumulative goal interference suspension still exists. And to your point, it's actually from the CGHL, which makes sense in terms of why we can't get rid of it. So not to say that we're supposed to know what suspensions come with what penalties. We should be calling the penalties as they exist in Hockey Canada. And if a coach asks me a question, I'll still say, I don't know. It's not my job to know and let them deal with the suspension director or DOPS or whoever. Brendan Shanahan, if he wanted to come back to his old role. Um, but yeah, it's uh, quite interesting to think that, you know, anything after Zeros, no matter what period it is, it, it would be would be a suspension, which is not a terrible suspension to have,
1: but something I never would have thought of existed because I've never read it before. Uh, and uh, interestingly also for this game, it was my first opportunity to work with an off-ice officials coach in probably, oh, I don't know, throw out a number, five years, seven years at the MJHL level. So I was actually uh, really excited to to see someone there. It was a bit of a surprise, actually, to see them. It was a frigid night uh, and outside the city. But uh, it was good to have someone to um, to have eyes on the ice and get some feedback because other than peer interactions... Um, it's been a while in that league since I've seen somebody, so that was good.
0: Okay. Was there anything that they shared with you you're willing to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, and it was actually, um, it was interesting because it was sort of an intentional move on my part at one point, and it was good because now I got feedback that I need to swing back the other way a little bit more. So, uh, I was intentionally trying to work less hard is the wrong way of saying it, but slow down and be a bit more calm on the ice, in an attempt to see and focus on the play more. Uh, I found that when my feet were moving too quick, or when I was um, overly anxious in my participation, I was missing visual things, and that just wasn't working uh, the way I wanted it to. And so I tried to just see a little bit more of the ice, slow things down a bit, and I think that was working. Uh, but now the feedback is that I need to tighten up my gap control a little bit and have some quicker feet again. So I've got to find that happy medium. So that's uh, that's what I'll be working on from here on in.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that works with you know tips from a coach where you swing one direction maybe a little too far and then you've got to reel it back. So it's always good context that I I try to ask uh, the referees when I'm going to watch games is. Not sure if you've been told recently to change this, but I'm noticing this. And that's usually what comes back. Said, so, Oh, yeah, I w- I, apparently I was doing it way wrong before. So, okay, well, let's just bring it back just a bit towards the middle and you'll be at the right spot. So uh, if you if you get conflicting information when you're being coached, it's usually because you went to the other end of the spectrum. So
1: I actually had the opportunity to help as an off-ice coach for the officials at the... Uh, World Sports School Challenge, and uh, it's been a while since I got to act as an off-ice officials coach just with, you know, life situations and stuff going on, and uh, it, it's something I, I hope to do more in the future too, and just kind of reminded me the difference between, you know, officiating coaching and being a mentor, and I think it revitalized some of those thoughts that I'd had in my head about keeping those things distinct and still implementing them and driving that forward in the province. Um, but it did uh, sort of get me excited to be doing that again. So that was fun.
0: Yeah, it lines up with your break uh, being available during the day. Did you uh, have any good games to watch or were they fairly standard?
1: They were fairly straightforward games, but it was good to see officials who are, you know, That High-level officials, some of which are part of the HP program, some of which are just coming into it, and some of which are well-established, working at a high level in female hockey, uh, so it gave them an opportunity to really focus on some of the suggestions and the feedback, uh, and it was neat to follow that through uh, a couple different games. Because
0: you ended up seeing the same person more than
1: once. Yeah, yeah, a couple of the people I did get to work with more than once, so that was kind of nice.
0: Yeah, I find that's the the problem in my own experience is I often only see someone one time throughout the whole season. So you don't see that progress. And that's where I end up having conversations in between periods to try to get them small things that I can see them adjust. uh, Assuming it doesn't change the game too much. But things like penalty standard, you don't want to talk about that in between periods. So you mention it at the end of the game, but if you don't see them for another year, it's really tough to follow up on that. So the the pairing that we used to have in in mind when we had our mentorship program when we were coming up. Uh I I do miss that uh that idea of actually pairing you up with a coach so to have like more consistent feedback in the sense that you have the same person working with you throughout your season.
1: Yeah and I guess just to make my my position clear and when I said that they're different, like I think that officiating coaching is insinuates anytime you're coaching it insinuates that you have something that the other person doesn't that could be a perspective in terms of you know how they're watching the game like literally the physical angle that they're watching it Um, or it could be a skill that someone has that they're passing on to you Um, whereas mentoring is finding out what goals people have and then helping them work towards them and following up with them regularly throughout the year to find out where they're at like they're two totally different things so yeah i agree i, I remember having uh, a mentor and i talked about it on the last episode i think and it was willie mack uh and so yeah it'd be neat to to get those things uh back in play
0: yeah actually speaking of last episode i did listen to it while i was gone and uh, naturally there was some uh comments made in jest that i did enjoy because i if i had the ability to edit episodes i would probably do the same thing if you were gone um uh, but i am actually looking forward to my game on friday this week um this might be tonight when you hear this episode uh, as i'm working with prior guest camille forbes so i'm uh, looking forward to that game to see if uh, truly our standards are different as she uh, she alluded to I had a good chuckle there
1: <laughs> or uh, if it was just she just knows you'll call all the penalties it's gonna be an easy night for her
0: <laughs> yeah or if I should take the mentor approach and completely step back and uh, let her be her own
1: woman uh, okay so speaking of feedback Here's one for you. I want to know your opinion on this. Line change procedure, you should use your non-whistle hand. True or false and why?
0: Uh, I say false. And the amount of times I've had to blow my whistle when I was doing the line change procedure are so few and far between that it doesn't matter. But I think it matters more in terms of your vision so for example if I'm at the iceplex and the face off is on the bench side I would use my left arm given that I can tell the visiting team to stop uh changing while still seeing the home bench and the play to my right for example whereas if the play was on my left I would probably use my left hand and just slightly turn my body so I'm of the the like to not use your non-whistle arm as a standard. So you can use whatever arm allows you to see the most.
1: All right. All right. It was actually yeah. kind of funny. So the person watching said that once you knew I was here, you never used your whistle hand again. And I said, I don't know. I'm going to have to go watch the video because I didn't change anything. I wouldn't have even thought uh, about changing that because it's just so regular to me like i i would say i probably use my whistle hand more often i don't know why but uh i i had the same thought that like hey if i got to bring my whistle down and blow it for a penalty or something well then they're going to there's going to be another line change anyway so but anyway i just was curious what you thought about that
0: no and and now i'm curious because someone had a question to me about procedures and figured i would just look at this while we're speaking about it And in the Hockey Canada Official Procedures Manual, it says the referee shall then raise either arm to indicate that the visiting team may no longer change. The arm should be raised towards the visiting team's bench, not towards the stands. The arm that the referee will signal to raise the line change will be the arm that will afford the referee the best view of the players on the ice.
1: Listen, so if you, this can
0: text, you can text your officiating coach assuming he does not, not hear this a chance.
1: episode. So now, now I'm regretting this because I was trying to make this like a learning opportunity. I had a great time talking about it. I was being earnest and all those things. Now you're just going to piss him off. Correct. And the funny part of it is because one of the other pieces of feedback was that it would look better if I came to a full and complete stop At the timekeeper bench for a penalty and and i said and i i was i was politically correct about it because we've had the conversation but i said if you're saying it would look better i'm on board and i'm gonna do it if you're saying it's because the procedure manual says i have to i'm gonna dispute it (laughs) And he said, don't you pull, don't you pull a Paul Comte on me is exactly what he said.
0: Perfect. Because the funny thing is that when we've talked about it in the past, you're the one that had the conversation with the same person about the same procedure. So if anything, <laughs> it should be called is it's the Brendan Burnell.
1: Now I did go and read it. And I think that I I'll step back a little bit and say that it, it does encourage you to stop. It just mentions that if there's the the potential for a dispute or some sort of argument because of the proximity to either the player or the bench, that you can you can kind of get out of there quickly. But I uh, I am of the belief after our conversation that coming to a complete stop looks better. It's more professional. Slows it down. So I'm I'm gonna jump ship and start stopping in front of the timekeeper again.
0: Are you gonna pull the fake microphone? check on your hip before starting your your penalty procedure?
1: I do often put my hand there just because my I'm so damn skinny and that's where my belt is. So uh, maybe I should do that as just a bit of a thing. That would be funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'm looking at the procedure as well, just for uh, clarity. Referees are encouraged to stop and report the penalty. However, should there be any undue delay, which could lead to confrontation there may be times in a referee will want to keep moving and make the stop very short. So I think that's pretty well worded, and uh, you did paraphrase it quite well as well.
1: And like I said, we're talking about the MJHL, so Tier 2 Junior Hockey, we want to look good and do the job right. Don't um, we always so
0: want to look good?
1: Feel good and ref good as well. Yes. Um, and so for those reasons, I have bought into the idea of stopping. So there it is.
0: Very good, <laughs> so I ended up having uh another m j game last weekend, so this was my second game since getting back and uh enjoying uh basically having a non reportable game uh when I thought about that uh naturally, I had a major checking from behind uh on my game in Sunday and therefore had to write a game report uh given that a fight followed the c f b but um my streak is a maximum of six this year of MJ games in a row with a reportable offense. So hoping that, uh, does
1: not continue. Six in a row with not without with six in a row with. And were they very similar offenses or was it all over the board? Um, all over the board match penalty for CFB. The player got five games
0: for, um, fighting goal interference. Huh? So at least it wasn't a trend where I was consistently calling CFBs. I I don't know if that's a bad thing, but if they occur.
1: Hey, at least you don't have to make the phone call anymore.
0: You know what? A part of me misses the phone call. So for those that don't know, uh, when I started working the MJ, the referee uh, would have to call at the end of every game and uh call the commissioner's voicemail in the mj and leave a message with details about the game and anything that they might want to hear about when they come to the office the day after um i think this might have been the first time i've had referees drone on and on about absolutely nothing
1: i'm going to i'm going to put a telephone effect on this just to really illustrate it but it would go something like this yeah hi kim It's, insert referee name here, we just left Portage, and they were hosting the Selkirk Steelers. And in the front seat here, I've got referee number two, insert name here, and uh, you guys get in the back, who's in the... And it would go on, and it was... It was pretty funny, but if I were the commissioner, I'd be, I'd be looking for a way to get out of these voicemails a lot quicker than they did.
0: Oh, yeah. I think uh, I heard a story about how a senior referee told a junior referee as the phone was ringing that occasionally the commissioner picks up and got that person into a mental pretzel and completely messed up their report. Uh, I don't think it was actually the MJ, but a similar league that has a, a voicemail procedure. So good good for us. We don't have to do that anymore.
1: Well, it's a couple stretches here of, of absences. So we talked about, well, we didn't talk about, it. Camille and I talked about me being away in December, uh, and then you took a little jaunt, and, and now I'm going to head off again into the sun, so... Um, I'm I'm just hoping that maybe no one notices and I actually get some playoff games still after missing some crucial time here.
0: Yeah, because if I think about my own season, uh, I went from having around nine, well, eight games on average uh, throughout the first four months uh, of the season, and I'm looking at February and it must be because you're, because you're gone, because now I've got 12 games, which is uh, a lot uh, compared to the previous months. So, you know, appreciate your scraps.
1: You know, I was, I said the exact same thing to someone else. I said that while you were gone, like the month of January, I got way more games than I normally get. This is great. And you know what? It was silly of me. I never went and actually put day availability, uh, while I'm off. So I'm looking, I'm like, what, there's all these, you know, MJHL SJ showcase games. And I'm like, they're during the day. What the heck? Like I could have been, ah, that was my own fault. So what can you do? But, but unfortunately this means we won't be able to travel together again. Well, they just, they need at least one of us here. I guess. And the podcast needs at least one of us here. (laughs) Well, the podcast needs you here. You've got all
0: the software. I'm just a pretty face on a podcast so there goes the value in my my presence
1: so something else that came up during our post-game discussion uh we were talking about for official positioning uh, as referees you know when plays coming back towards you and and how when you watch professional hockey you'll see guys favor the middle of the ice and it's true like when you watch they they like to hang around the middle and then based on where the play comes out they'll pick a side to go to. And I, I can see the logic in that, but holy, have there been some absolute gaffes in the NHL uh, in in the recent past because of well bad luck, but also poor positioning. And the one that came to mind was uh, Saint Laurent getting caught like right in the kneecap with a snapshot on a one-on-one, and he was like basically screening the goalie too.
0: Yeah, he had a bit of a a rough uh, verbal exchange with uh, Paul Maurice, and uh, it would seem that he had a voodoo doll handy uh, with the pin right on the knee because, yeah, to your point, like bad luck that the puck ends up making its way that way, but we end up putting ourselves in a position where we don't have an out, and... Uh, My partner actually had a similar scenario on Friday where they were caught a little more towards the middle and a quick break up their own wall and scrambling to get back to the boards. Uh, Luckily, the player didn't take a shot on net in this case. That would have hit my partner, but rather dumped the puck in the uh, same corner that he was on. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you've got to really be comfortable with your anticipation and uh, positioning to not put yourself in that situation but switching to the other side might have been a better option for uh, FSL there
1: I think we've finally cracked the code that's why they're getting former players who can skate like the wind because they're recognizing that this positioning is just putting people in harm's way and unless you can skate faster than the NHL players on the ice you're gonna get caught because the referees are hiring are faster than the NHL players on the ice As fast as is their goal, right? That's all they care about.
0: Well, that's another topic for another day. Uh, There was an interesting situation that happened in a Jets game that I was reading about the day after. And I'm curious to know if there's something I don't know about the way the NHL review works. But ultimately, there was a penalty that was called after the referees got together. So my assumption is a Lions person reported a penalty to the referees who didn't have a call on the ice. Uh, Nate Schmidt was getting a major penalty. Um, and the NHL procedure allows the referees to review a major and determine that it was actually worthy of five minutes to which after they knocked it down to, 2 minutes which makes me think that this is a loophole for whenever referees miss a probable minor they can just have lines people save them report a major even though the referee or the lines people may not think it's a major so i'm i'm wondering if that maybe was a miss in terms of one of the unintended
1: consequences of having this kind of review but it's the first time i've seen it happen like that and I don't know that that even is the procedure, because my understanding was that by reporting the major, you can check to see if it was a major, and it either was or it wasn't, and then you move on. I didn't think that going with the minor was an option.:
0: I don't know, and that's um something that I'm looking, because you're essentially now reviewing
1: my- two things in that situation. First, you're deciding whether it's a major or not. And then once you determine that, you're deciding whether it's a minor or not. That's two different um, objectives. Yeah, well, our friends at uh, Scouting the Refs uh, did publish
0: something uh, last year where Rule 20.6 previously only allowed the officials to confirm the original major or downgrade it to a minor. They now have a third option to wipe it out completely. Interesting. I was not aware of that. You learn something new every day neither was i and, and that's something i get quite often from my dad he'll talk about penalty situations he saw in the leafs games because he likes watching the leafs lose uh or jets games and you know he has a fairly good understanding of hockey canada but he come across he comes across these situations and i'm like i honestly have no idea what the nhl rule is it it doesn't make any sense to me that uh for example a linesman must blow a double minor high stick down as soon as the team gets control. They can't actually report that at the next stoppage, like we do in the Hockey Canada rules. So I, I find that one very odd. Like you're as a linesperson, you've got to be so confident that it's a double minor because of an injury that it's not a delayed penalty in the sense that you report to the linesman. Like even referees that have their arm in the air for a high stick minor. And possible double minor for an injury don't really decide that it's a double minor until they go check the player at the stoppage. And I think that was also a Jets game with Kyle Connor being high-sticked down in the attacking zone by the goal line, I believe.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of those rules, too, that I'm finding maybe it's just in my head, but it feels like more and more coaches, even at a high level, are... um, are thinking that NHL rules apply in junior hockey, Uh, the most common ones being, I'd say, the follow-through that results in a high sticking penalty and uh, the net coming off on an imminent scoring chance, which, if I'm being honest, I would love to see, especially just just a junior, you know, make it one of those junior-senior rules that, if there's an imminent scoring opportunity and the puck enters the area that would normally be occupied by the net, we can count it because there's there's a number of times per season where you have bad pegs in a lot of arenas around here um and uh, and I'd love to be able to count some of those and when I go and explain like I can't count it, but like but you know it's going to go in it's like yes, but I can't do anything about it Well, but someone else counted it like that's not my well it is my problem. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that exact same
0: conversation on Friday. Actually, uh, pointed to the player that that's an NHL rule. He's like, "Well, why can't we count it?" And I tell him, "Not sure if you've noticed, but it says CJHL on your jersey, not NHL." Uh, to which I made another sarcastic comment. But
1: yeah, I had I had one for the follow through where uh, player was bleeding, so it was a double minor. Like you said, didn't know that until after we blew our whistles and and called the penalty. To which the offending team's coach said, wasn't that a follow-through? I said, yeah, but that's an NHL rule. He goes, I know, but it was worth asking.
0: (laughs) At least he knew. I find there's coaches that honestly just do not know, and then there's the odd one that doubles down and says that he's right because he saw it on Hockey Night in Canada last weekend. So, good times, right?
1: Well, speaking of good times, this has been a good time catching up with you, my friend, and uh, putting another episode into the archive.
0: Yeah, I would say that uh, it's going to be nice to hear my own voice, but that would be a lie.
1: Wait a minute. You actually listen to our podcast episodes? I try to
0: avoid it. The The only one that I've, I've fully listened to and paid attention was yours and Camille's because I was not on it.
1: Maybe in the future we're to just take turns doing episodes so that we can enjoy our own podcast.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it was one of the funnest episodes to listen to uh, because I didn't
1: cringe whenever I spoke. <laughs> well, with that, that's going to wrap up episode eight of season three of Ref Talk Radio. So until next time, look good, feel good, Ref good. Bye, everybody.